Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, the podcast about digitally owned things and what that means now and in the future! Yeah, so Elena is a fantastic person in the crypto ecosystem um, who's coming to us from, I guess, Airbnb and a general programming engineering background. And I first, uh, I think I saw you first on the internet, as it were, um, when you started working on ETHmoji and started doing identity Ooh, and yeah, ETHmoji. Uh, digital ownership of those like avatars. Um, and that sort of transitioned into uh, digital ownership uh, you know, ERC-721s and teaching people about these things and teaching people how to code and teaching people all about Solidity. Um, and that sort of moved into um, privacy-focused, uh, some sort of privacy-focused direction. And now I know you're working on a privacy-focused blockchain. Can I just ask, what happened with the ETHmoji? Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, so ETHmoji, <laughs> ETHmoji was actually a very cool project. Yeah. Um, it was... It was fun in the terms that you get to create your own avatar. Mm-hmm. And so there's you know a bunch of things that you can use to create your avatar, like your hair, like your color, right. like your eyes, your accessories. You can have a hat. You can have like different things. Uh, and so that becomes your identity. And the cool thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to have it like a second confirmation of right. who you are, meaning that if I'm trying to send money to Mad on Ethereum, you know, usually I would... I don't know, like probably go on Facebook Messenger and like ping Matt and be like, what's your address, right. right? And then if I were to paste in his address in something like MetaMask, I would want to like triple, triple quadruple. Triple check, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at those last <laughs> like six letters, right. numbers and letters or whatever and be Color like, coding. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there's so many keylogger hacks or maybe I typoed or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so the goal of Ethmoji is that the moment I would paste in Matt's uh, address – and if Matt has an ethmoji associated with his address, then I would immediately see it, mm-hmm. right? And so then it would give me like a second confirmation that I didn't, I didn't typo. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's definitely Matt. It's sort of like a, it's like another layer of confirmation. It's right. like, it's like a little check mark, like exactly. you did it right. When you put it that way, I didn't, I didn't have this context when I first learned about ethmoji. Neither did I. I had no idea. <laughs> that was its goal. <laughs> I th- then honestly, like way before its time, I, I think yeah. that. This is a particularly interesting idea because I guess for background, the traditional way of doing this like double checking verification thing is to like programmatically generate some random image. And then you're supposed to like know Mm -hmm. that um, this, you know, the series of colors and random symbols is matte and then you can check that. Yeah. Um, Well, that's actually how it works for MetaMask right Right, now, which I didn't even realize before this project. Mm. Um, So whenever you generate an address with MetaMask, it gives you that icon. And the icon is, you know, uh, programmatically created from, like, whatever randomness comes in your public Mm -hmm, address, mm -hmm. right? But first of all, I use MetaMask a ton before Ethmoji. I didn't even realize this. No, yeah, I've... I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, if Matt were to give me his Ethereum address and his little right. icon would pop up, I would have no idea if that's it's correct actually, or not. Yeah. Incredibly <laughs> you know? useless because I don't double confirm this on, I, I don't create a trust link between, for example, my Twitter profile and this address. And so my Twitter profile looks like me, but my Ethereum address is just this blob of color. Like that doesn't actually help anyone. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So, 
So yeah, that was kind of the goal of Ethmoji, but um, it kind of went into all sorts of directions. Mm-hmm. We, we were trying to experiment how to make this thing viral, because even though, yeah. you know, like we right. see user proposition, um, you, there needs to be some like gamification aspect in order to get people to use it first, totally. right? Because it's kind of like the chicken or the egg problem, right? <laughs> and so um, we focused on like the rarity of certain things. So like uh, you would have base layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so your like the shape of your face or the color of the face, or whatever would be like a base mm-hmm, layer. Right. And then some people would own those base layers. And if anyone composes with those base layers, they would get royalties. Huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to like figure out like this game mechanic, um, but unfortunately like never right, took yeah. off. But it was still like a very fun project, and I'm really glad. Yeah. I it was. On it. it was when was was that like just a little bit after Crypto Kitties, or was it? Yeah, it was probably like a couple months after mm-hmm. the Crypto Kitties like craze. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah, think I the uh, the use of scarcity to, to as a function like scarcity in order to generate verifiable um, identity is kind of interesting because you know if there's only five or so top hats and these these images are generated client side. Um, and they're actually double checked against the Ethereum like registry of who owns the top hats. Um, now you've turned this, you know, this address into well, there's only one in five chance that this is someone else. But combine that with I don't know the glasses that my thing is wearing, and if we know that those are scarce, mm-hmm. like that, that has a a really interesting property. I think. Yeah, I think the goal of it was, you know, like if you were emotionally attached to your avatar and you really wanted your avatar to be special, you might want to spend a little more for that wizard hat right. or, you know, right. or the wand. Right. <laughs> the wizard hat was my favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so um, and so you'd want to have something very unique to represent right. who you are. And, you know, and how do you protect uniqueness? Well, you raise the price right. of whatever feature makes that right. unique. Right. So that was kind of the mechanic we were going yeah, for. That is, I mean, yeah, it, it ends up falling back to money as an allocation mechanism for scarcity, which mm-hmm. is, you know, definitely uh, not flawed, but comes with baggage of like, you know, you need money to do this. And so, and so what are you working on now, Elena? What, so you, so you're, you were doing that project and then now you're working on privacy stuff. And she was, she taught me how <laughs> yeah. to 721 at Denver. What? Oh yeah. Oh, so last, so last East Denver is, is that when you guys met? I'm sure Matt and I probably crossed paths at East Denver, but As I actually. the internet thing. Yeah. yeah. Everybody was there. <laughs> that's right. But I actually don't remember him from there. Oh, that's fine. My first no, memory okay. of Matt. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my first memory of Matt is actually better oh, than sweet. that. Oh, um, <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> so I, <laughs> um, we met at Dolores Park Cafe. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was just exiting the cafe, and he was just entering the cafe, and I was kind of in a rush. And I remember Matt kind of stopped me, and he was like, oh, I remember you from East Denver. Oh. And I had, like, no... <laughs> no recollection of who this person is and so and we like uh you know exchanged um contact information and he sends me a text like right after and he says if you go to uh buy right ice cream right now they're giving out free ice cream <laughs> and i'm like oh my god this is like the best piece of information i could have ever received from a stranger <laughs> wow well wow. well i definitely remembered us like meeting at denver or something and like knew that <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it feels a little odd out of context and just show up and be like oh there's free ice cream across the street by the way <laughs> well thank you <laughs> but it all no, worked out because you got yeah. free ice cream so and that's I did very get free good ice cream, ice cream that. That was... yep. yeah it's 
and good there was nobody in line which i think was important like once uh once That's it spread crazy. around yeah oh man right. that line was out the door right no, you gave me two pieces of information that were very important. <laughs> a, there's free ice cream, and B, there's no there's line. There's no line. <laughs> it's the Wamba Combo ice cream plus time. That's right. So you had uh, you had talked about um, you were you were live coding a 721 contract on stage at Denver, mm-hmm. which is why that stuck out to me because <clears throat> um, obviously live coding in general very hard, um, teaching very hard, and then doing both of those at the same time and making it easily digestible and understandable and like actually doing something interesting at the same time, that blew me away. That was, that was amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. So my goal was, so my first ever exposure to Ethereum was going to ETH Waterloo, which was last October, um, Mm. I think, or last, last Mm. October of 2017, um, at ETH Waterloo. And that's actually where CryptoKitties kind of came out. Um, So I got to see them on stage. Um, And so that that hackathon was my first time ever writing a smart contract. And I followed a tutorial. The tutorial basically showed me, like, in one hour, you can create your own ERC-20 coin, your own like crowd sale contract and you're like good to go and i was blown away i was like this is so easy (laughs) um and uh i was also blown away by the fact that none of these tutorials had tests Mm. (laughs) so um so really what, what i came out of it is wow like there's a lot of hype and it's actually a lot easier than people think and when when you know and people kind of put cloud over their project saying oh the you know our our project is using blockchain technology right. because we have this ERC-20 coin. I was like, wait a minute, this is actually a lot easier than people think it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can probably teach it better because I'm going <laughs> to teach people how to also test their code. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for ETH Denver, it was really much the goal of, you know, if I can do this on stage live and make, you know, an ERC-721 contract right in front of you with tests, then so can you. With tests. And so with tests. It's pretty key, right? 100% of flex. It's a, it's, it's, that's a power move. <laughs> well, I think it's really important it because is. otherwise you have zero visibility into what you're doing. You're just like, you know, you, you can't just spread and pray. Totally. Right? totally. Especially if you're trying to build the next framework for right. financial institutions. Decentralized or finance with uh, less than 100% test coverage sounds terrible sounds very dangerous right <laughs> for the world economy yeah, to be yeah. fair that's right to be fair it has gotten a lot better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i remember like when i first started out i was just kind of shocked about about like at the code coverage and just the general lack of tests totally totally um, yeah and i was also like kind of shocked how much people put value into oh we're building this with blockchain technology right. without knowing what, what that, that means. means yeah and so yeah, so like a lot, you know, like the ICO craze happened, and a lot of these people had whatever ERC twenty coin they had, and so initially I wanted to teach people how easy it was to do ERC twenty coins, but really it's really boring <laughs> to teach people how to make an ERC twenty totally. coin because all it is is a key value store, mm-hmm. really, um, and so NFTs are the more interesting version of an ERC twenty coin because at least you can have. It's you a know, more complex either. data model. It is more complex, and you can do so much more right. with it, right? Like you can, if you if you read the original ERC seven twenty one proposal, I mean, they thought very far mm. ahead. They said that this could be used to represent debt or negative assets, mm-hmm. right? This could be used to represent real estate or homes or documents or records, as well as cats and toys mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know pictures and so on. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! Like, you can rep- you can actually represent debt <laughs> with an ERC seven twenty one coin." 
That's pretty cool. I don't know if I want any of so, those coins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do, right? Because um, that represents interest, right? right? So you might. Certainly. In fact, like, right. In fact, you know, if you look at financial like financial economies today as a whole, um, a lot of it is based on, on debt. debt yeah. like people trade debt all the right. time. So it crashed the economy, right? The collateralized <laughs> debt obligations yeah, or whatever. I'm, I'm very much right. looking forward. This is one of my ideas for the um, the Xerox project plus coin list hackathon thing where oh, I like, yeah. posted all of these terrible ideas in a list. And one of them was it's just a simulation of decentralized finance and um, <laughs> the person to accumulate the most like it's like a reenactment of the 2008 housing crisis where you're right. collateralizing shit. And anyway, first person to lose all their money wins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a, a very slippery slope, honestly. Like um once we start, for example, uh you know, all this all this ETH that's like locked up in Uniswap or um all the ETH locked up in MakerDAO in, in DAI CDPs, mm -hmm. it's all just sitting there and people are mm -hmm. gonna say, like, well, why can't we just use that now in a lower risk thing? <laughs> and we start getting derivatives of derivative of derivative assets. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. That just creates the 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 lattice that kind of collapses when the black swan event happens it's like one thing falls apart and you know maybe we've structured our stability guarantees where like the failure of what this one thing doesn't really affect the thing that it derives from but maybe not and everything mm -hmm. kind of collapses we'll see <laughs> yeah i know this is not like the main topic of this of this uh, podcast but um the thing that I always show to prove to people how important debt and derivatives mm -hmm. are to our world economy, there's actually a visual. I think it's called like market cap or like market world cap. Um, and you can find you can easily find it if you Google it. And it shows you like a visual representation of the world wealth mm. in terms of the gold we have, real uh, estate, stocks, mm -hmm. like how much Bitcoin is worth market in comparison. Cap, but for real things. <laughs> That's right, and but it but it but it visualizes everything, mm. and so then you know you, you know you see like a little square for Bitcoin, you see how Bitcoin compares to like the real estate of the world, and so on mm. and so forth, and then you keep scrolling down, and at the end there's like what was it 156 trillion dollar market for like derivatives right. and futures and options, wow. so you know um, that, I want to caution, yeah. right? Like I want to caution people to just dismiss debt because. Literally, our world economy is based on trading this gotcha. stuff. Gotcha. And what what happens if I don't understand a lot of those things? Um, well, honestly, um, honestly, you should ask someone who you know who works in the industry. Mm, mm. Um, this has been kind of my advice for anything related sure. to this. Because if you try to read this stuff, it's going to be like... Um, this weird recursive perpetual cycle of the definition including mm. the definition um, yeah. <laughs> or the definition including the word you're, you're looking for because uh, if you look at like what options and futures and derivatives are you might read the definition and be like okay this you know doesn't seem very right. important um, and then you go ask someone in the industry of like you know what is your job like <laughs> what do you trade all the time right. <laughs> uh, and you'll get a much different perspective of how it's actually gotcha. used and so how did you get from from coding um a, a 721 on stage to to where to what you're working on now um if it's uh, different yeah good question yeah. <laughs> um, how did that happen well, oh, i started <laughs> So, yeah, how did that happen? Um, so I started getting more and more into the Ethereum community in general. So ETH Denver was my first kind of big public talk about 
you know, how to code ERC 721s. And after that, um, that talk got fairly popular mm. and I was asked to basically repeat this talk at other places as oh, well. Cool. So, yeah. So I went to East Memphis, which, you know, was a fairly small uh, hackathon, but, um, you know, I pretty much gave the same version or a different version of kind of the same topic there. Um, in fact, well, I guess that one was actually a bit more complex because I was like, every time I would do the same talk, I would put more stuff yeah. in it. So that one was basically like, how do you make an ERC-721 coin, but make it fully decentralized by using IPFS as your storage layer for the images, right? right? Um, and then after that, I think the the bigger one was ETH Buenos Aires. And so that one I said, okay, we're going to use ERC-721. We're going to use IPFS. Um, and then I think the addition of it was, um, I guess, I well, it was a, a bit more complex project of how do you do this in React, first of all, <laughs> to make it like a more legit front It's end. 2018. And you got to use React. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, which was, so I actually learned React as well. And I was trying to figure out like how do you interact with, um, you know, like the Ethereum blockchain or whatever, right. like a more efficient way and like cache things and um, stuff like that. And uh, and that project, my example project for that was uh, Magic the Gathering yes, cards. Yes, I remember um, this one. Yeah, I was really proud of that one because, I, you know, there was a slide that basically made a joke alluding to Mount Gox. <laughs> Mount Gox actually stood for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. One person in the crowd, Reese, oh. he was the only person <laughs> oh in the class. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, we should know our history better. Right. But, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. World's greatest pivot from Magic the Gathering trading to a uh, largest Bitcoin exchange and then <laughs> and nothing right? in particular. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, re I kind of understood at that point that I really wanted to be more involved in the space. Um, you know, everything here is so new and there's so many opportunities mm -hmm. in the space to make it a lot better. Right. Um, in fact, like, you know, the ground is, you know, very wide and very clear. <laughs> so, you know, in other industries, it might be a lot more crowded in terms of like, you know, there's already good tooling for XYZ technologies. But here there's like, very, you know, very minimal tooling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like if you look at any sort of field there, you know, there's ways to improve it. Um, so I, you know, I was really excited about going full time into the space and like in particular. And when I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what is going to be my main focus? Um, I kind of thought about it very logically. I was like, well, you know, let's fast forward 10 years and let's say that, you know, blockchain, you know, takes over in terms of being like an alternative payment system uh, or alternative to like wire transfers. Um, how does that future look like and what do we need to do to get mm -hmm. there? And so from my perspective, I think there's four things that we need to do, like three and a half. <laughs> so um, one is stability, meaning lack of volatility. Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked into the space and I was like, okay, well, there's plenty of projects that are trying to do stable coins and, you know, it requires either a lot of capital or for MakerDAO, a lot of collateral, right? And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of a, a large project that a lot of other teams are handling, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is, um, oh, sorry, that was volatility. <laughs> so the, the st stability in terms of, um, sorry, scalability. So one of them, <laughs> one of them is a, a lack of volatility. The other one is scalability mm -hmm. in terms of like, how do we get to be sort of a competitor to Visa? Right. for 20,000 transactions a second or whatever. The classic, yeah, exactly. The classic thing. Yeah, which to be fair, you know, I have opinions on that. I don't think we need to ever compete with Visa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
and I think layer two solutions are just fine. But I looked into that area of like um, scalability in terms of performance of blockchains in, in general. And I was like, okay, well, there's plenty of companies that are doing state channels and layer two solutions and sharding and uh, like plasma and like, you know, that category of companies and projects. Totally. And I was like, okay, that's pretty crowded. And then the third one is privacy. Um, and that was mainly because, you know, Bitcoin's dream was actually to be like this private anonymous cryptocurrency. Right. And with companies like Chain Analysis raising like 30 plus mil from VCs, mm you know, um, entire business the, and validating that, Bitcoin pseudonymity. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so from my perspective, it's like, Oh, like this is actually one of the biggest selling points of cryptocurrency is that you have full autonomy over your own funds, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of where you live or, you know, what race or minority nationality you are, um, you have full autonomy over your own funds. And, you know, if you actually track the, you know, the blockchain, like it's, it's, it's public. In fact, that's how it validates <laughs> yeah. everything. Um, and if, if this is going to be used more and more as a currency, then your transactional pattern kind of becomes your fingerprint. Totally. Um, and there have been so many studies, like Netflix actually had this uh, challenge really where um, like you could actually figure out who you are based on your viewing oh, patterns. Wow. <laughs> right. Um, you can and so obviously, people, not deonymize, but you can find out where people are and what they're doing through the Venmo feed as well. Right. There's That's there's right. this whole story about someone following um, this person's feed as they went through a breakup, and you could see it happen in real time oh. as they like <laughs> sell the couch and like go on <sighs> girls' nights out, and you know slowly you know start paying this other person more for dates and stuff, and you're just right. like, oh shit, you see them <laughs> yeah. getting back together? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, um, and so I kind of you know viewed it as like one of the biggest selling points for cryptocurrency is privacy, and I think that's you know, being put really into question whether or not existing solutions actually are going to offer that in the mm -hmm, future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of in parallel, I was already like pretty focused on zero knowledge proofs. Um, and I was like, wow, this is an amazing technology. <laughs> um, and I think that privacy coins can actually really benefit from there being more people in that particular space. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my mind, my kind of thought process of uh, starting a privacy coin project. Sweet. What's your, what's your perspective on the um, like, why do you value privacy personally? Um, because obviously there's this whole spectrum of privacy and transparency and the trade-offs in, in between each. Um, and, you know, some people say like, oh, nothing to hide. Why are you hiding it, et cetera? And the counter to that is various other arguments. But what, what is your personal stance on that? I think it's really funny when people say like, I have nothing to hide and here's all my mm -hmm. data because they don't realize how much they actually are giving away mm. um and i think people actually are realizing that more and more with you know facebook right. and like what happened there uh, where people realize that like oh yeah exactly like oh like this pieces of information that i thought were not important actually are important right because now i'm giving you know people a lot more information about who i mm -hmm. am how i think what is the best way to target right. me in terms of advertising or make me want to buy something um and so like you as an individual you may not think about like oh i'm just giving away like my location and my preference for like music or maybe a candidate that I like. Um, but you're actually giving away a lot more than you mm -hmm, think. Mm -hmm. 
And so for, for um, financial privacy, I think it's even more important, right? Like, I th- like there's that story with Target and a woman who right. um, oh, yeah. was, was yeah, trying yeah. to hide her pregnancy, right? right? And uh, and then in the mail... They, like, sent her, like, diapers or something, right? right? Or, like, like, <laughs> diapers. Right. And that's, you know, and that's pretty much, like, an overused story about this concept. But, but yeah, so I mean, like, yeah. based... Right, but like based on your financial patterns, there's a lot that can be learned mm-hmm. from you, um, and I think that's just like sensitive information that you have the right to keep private. Right. And I think when people say that transparency is good, they don't mean transparency of my financial information. Mm-hmm. They mean transparency of other people's financial right, information. Right. So it's like asymmetric privacy that the is what totally. they want. They want like governments and banks and whatever else to be more transparent, but not necessarily you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, it's much easier to go from full private and ask people to disclose <laughs> versus everyone is public right. and you're trying you to that, hide you your You can't own. put that genie back in the bottle. Right. You can't put that. Absolutely. Exactly. That's definitely something that like, that's, those are the two. Um, so, so the, the moral righteousness sort of approach, I think, is entirely valid and is justification enough for privacy. Um, the two, like, concrete things that I like to think about are, right, exactly, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, a Like, if it ever becomes obvious that we do want more privacy, but currently, like, the system simply doesn't allow it, um, that, you know, it doesn't work like that. You can build non-private systems on top of private systems, but right. the opposite is less true. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. I- ignoring, like, crazy moon math, which uh, Elena knows a lot more <laughs> about than I do. Um, and then the other one that's really interesting is that privacy is um, an enabler for change in both good and bad, bad ways, but the argument being that change itself is, is necessary for society to survive. And if, you know, you have full transparency in a society, um, people won't won't do fringe things. And those fringe things are what allow, for example, gay marriage to be accepted now when it wasn't before and various other, you know, progressive things that have happened over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, The privacy to do those things at the beginning is is necessary for their survival today. Um, And so when you remove privacy, you remove that progression of society and that's like one that's really interesting to me hmm. um i've never heard that argument that's a really interesting yeah this is new to me as well which is why i'm bringing yeah. it up because i think it's interesting to share um but yeah. yeah the moral the moral approach is just like 100 percent. i would like to have things not not be public by default i'm super down with that um, so in Canada, uh, or I guess in certain parts of Canada, or maybe all of Canada mm. now, it's legal to buy weed. Right. right. Um, super cool. Retreat. The only problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're yeah, in California. Right. But, um, <laughs> settle down, settle down. Um, <laughs> but the hilarious part, um, sort of, is if you're a Canadian and you're trying to cross the border right. to the U.S., your credit card history can be seized. Oh, interesting. And if... And if they find out, based on your credit card history, that you've ever been to a weed store, they could potentially refuse your entrance into the oh U.S. Hell yeah. for forever. That is terrifying. Jesus. Amazing. For literally indefinitely. Like, if you ever get caught with a credit card history wow. that has a weed store purchase, you may not be able to enter the U.S. ever. Wow. <laughs> is this something that they're um, actually pushing? Is this something that, like, the, the, the Justice Department has announced 
or is this or is it theory or is it theoretical at this point um i think it's theoretical mm, at this yeah. point mm. i don't think anyone has act i don't think it's been enforced right, right. um but it's but you can find it's, countless of canadian like newspapers totally. warning people this, to yeah. not use your credit card when going to wow. a weed store because you might be seized right. <laughs> or it, it, the credit history history might right. be seized. and it seems like the problem is that this is possible to begin with right it's the uh you know, don't be evil versus can't be evil spectrum. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Just the inability to do evil would is way, way better of a system than, uh, you know, them just opting not to check your credit card uh, receipts. Is that right. crazy? Wow. That is crazy. Wow. Um, so it's kind of the, that kind of area of it might be legal where you are right. to do a certain purchase, but based on where you travel next, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it might get you in trouble. Where right? someone and else's moral compass is different from yours. That's yeah. right. Um, and, you know, I don't think, you know, like Matt, you and I are, you know, are friends. I don't get to see your credit card history or your, right. you know, how much you make or any of that information. Well, it's, it's zero dollars um, right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good to know. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think, like, people are just entitled to privacy in the real totally. world. And I don't think there's anything wrong bringing the same concept into the crypto world, especially if we're trying to make this thing to be, like, the default way of transacting Mm -hmm. it seems necessary for real human behavior to carry over in into the digital realm is you you just have to have this base form of privacy in the in the way that you're like carrying over the metaphor of how we you know how we handle our lives in physical space like cash is pretty anonymous um like you don't know what's in my house unless you step in my house that sort of thing it's it seems like we have to have that that experience in the digital realm too before any like before we carry over any real human behavior. So, so, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your coin, what your privacy coin project? I'm interested in learning (laughs) more about like, what are the, yeah. What are the different approaches people are taking? What are the trade-offs? Like, can we have a truly private, for example, non-fungible specific transactions? I know those are much more Mm -hmm. complicated than fungible, um, you know, balance updates, but I mean, I'm happy to speak about this. I don't want to derail this conversation no. from NFTs to privacy. No, realm, but I'm more I'm than all happy this to train. talk Choo-choo. about it. <laughs> um, okay. Well, to give you kind of a, um, a spiel about different privacy solutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I started looking into this space, I kind of bundled all the privacy projects or coins that I could find into three buckets. One of them being Monero. So, um, this is using, um, uh, ring signatures to kind of de-anonymize your transactions. And there are many projects that are kind of forks of Monero or the predecessor of Monero. Mm-hmm. The other one is Zcash. So it's the um, concept of using zero-knowledge proofs to hide what exactly you're spending and to whom you're spending it mm-hmm. to. Um, and then the third bucket is Grin. And Grin uses what's called a Mimblewimble pro- protocol. Um, and effectively, they're using Peterson commitment. So it's kind of like elliptical um, math really to add things mm-hmm. and to prove equality of things without revealing what that thing is. Okay, cool. Um, is mimble wimble a technical term? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> it is actually. Is it really? <laughs> well, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mimble wimble is a reference from Harry Potter. Ah. Uh, Grin is an entire project. Um, it's kind of hot in space right now because Super of the hot. kind of, well, it's not pretty anymore. Hot. Um, it it kind of died down. Well, I mean, what happened with that? 
Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. It's launched. Yeah, it's launched, launched like last, <laughs> last month. <laughs> the Harry Potter thing, and the reason why it's so hot is because of the secrecy of the ah. entire project. So the project started out it kind of in it, like people compare it to the beginning of Bitcoin. There's an anonymous person who went into the IRC channel and just dropped this white paper. And uh, he's he used an anonymous name, which is, um, what was it, Elvis Jedowar or whatever, which is... Um, uh, so in Harry Potter, Voldemort's real name in the French version mm. is this Elvis Jedwar person. This is like or some deep, deep, deep Harry, I, I, love, like, I consider yeah. myself like a Harry Potter kind of person. Like oh, I but know we're getting of, into the lore. But like, but like, but like the the <laughs> French version of Voldemort's right. name. Like this is like some deep shit here. Yeah. This also, is like, wow. side note, I love how they you know in in. In English, it's Voldemort, Tom Morvolo Riddle. Yeah, but they have to do the same yeah. thing in all of the other languages. All the languages, which right. is amazing. Which is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's right. So don't quote me on the actual name. But that's the idea, <laughs> the general idea. Yeah, that, right. that's a pseudonym. Yeah, and so like, people take this like Harry Potter reference to the nth degree, right? Love it. So <laughs> I love taking metaphors to their logical extreme. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, there's other pseudonyms that reference other people in the book. And then there's um, Patronus, yeah. which I think is one of the exchanges. Okay. There's Vault uh, 713, yeah. <laughs> which is Harry Potter's vault yeah. at uh, Gringotts. Oh, um, oh, and that is... That's also like like a helper um, library tool for address discovery mm. um, thing, and then um, what else? Oh, great! Uh, Grin is basically it's a short for Gringotts, Gringotts. Oh. which is you know the Harry Potter bank. Man, I am uh, I am really loving this tangent we're taking here. This yeah. is great. This is amazing. <laughs> this is now a Harry Potter podcast. Yeah, listen, Harry Potter cast, know, if you will. We, we went from NFT to privacy to Harry yeah. Potter, yeah. but um, as all good conversations do. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, so I looked into <laughs> privacy projects, and they all kind of went into those three buckets. And for the Monero side, um, there's been countless of research papers that basically uh, argued against the privacy uh, guarantees of Monero, mm. and they basically said, yes, you have these ring signatures, so yes, you can't really tell who made the transaction mm. within the ring signature. So basically the way it works is you would have multiple parties sign a transaction. Mm. And even though you can see all the members who... Um, who were right. potential signers? You don't know who you actually was were the were the that's people right. that were doing so the transaction. So you get plausible deniability. Oh, that's interesting. You get plausible deniability uh, at, best, at best, right? right? Because if I'm because if I'm really trying to catch you and I can ask an exchange to cooperate with mm. me, um, then I can just say, you know, um, I see this transaction come in to you as, as the exchange, and I don't know exactly who I'm trying to catch. But I know a very finite set of people it could right. be, right? And so I just want you to check all of them, right. right? Because if I if I can do that, then it doesn't matter if you sign if you if even if you did like multiple hops, then my finite set just grows, but it's still right. very finite, especially since ring, uh, ring signature size used to be five five to seven as the mm -hmm. average, and now they uh, with bulletproofs they bumped it up to eleven, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still like it's not a very big number. Interesting. Right? And even if even if it was like a hundred, right. it's still the same problem. Grows, I have a very finite set. I guess the problem then is it narrows it down from everyone in the system to some finite number very quickly as a side effect exactly. of how it works. That's, That's right. really interesting. Um, yeah, and so I looked into that, and I was like, okay, obviously it you know has provable deniability, but you know we can we can do better. 
Um, and then Grin was like very hot at the time, so I looked into the Mimba Wimble protocol. Um, and it is very elegant in its privacy. Um, but the thing that I didn't like about Grin is that it kind of put the security concerns on the user, not on the protocol. Uh. Because even though what's on the blockchain is very well, fairly secure, um, if I wanted to send money to Matt, I have to um, host my own wallet, mm-hmm. and I have to somehow communicate with Matt, maybe like once again on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, Yeah, I have to open it. I have to know Matt to begin with uh, in order to send him money. Mm, Right. And I would, you know, I'd probably go to Facebook Messenger and be like, hey, Matt, I'm trying to send you money. Uh, where is your ho- wallet hosted? Mm. Because in order for me to send a transaction to you, you need to give me what's called a blinding factor, which is a, a thing that you need to create per transaction. Right. And in Mimblewimble, there's no public addresses. Mm. Um, so we're very familiar with Ethereum and Bitcoin and so on right. to have a public address that I can send money to. But here, you basically, your blinding factor is almost like your public private key kind pair of, per transaction yeah, wow. per transaction yeah okay so every transaction and has to go through this process that's right and the hilarious consequence of this is that if you look at some of the exchanges for Grin, and I do understand that Grin just came out, so the, their infrastructure is fairly new, but the consequence of it is that if I want to deposit or withdraw from a Grin-specific exchange, mm-hmm. I have to email their support. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, or, use, or use Intercom, which is like the support tool. Like, you know, right, so that they can link the anonymous transaction to your account on the exchange so they can give me this json blob that's like a partial transaction mm. that i can then complete that's um, fun. Sounds okay. really complicated yeah sounds like something well, that could be automated but yeah no totally yeah i mean sure it can be better automated than emailing the support team for right. sure um but the reason why they're doing that is because you as a user you have to host your own wallet mm. in order for this transaction to go through and for exchanges you know it's like they have to like think about that as well. Um, they have to figure out how to get receipts and all that. So, um, like it just it just adds on a lot, like a layer of complexity that other protocols do not have. And I think that's like an interesting point: is none of this really matters unless people adopt it. And also, the privacy guarantees don't really matter unless people can use them by default. And if the that's protocol right. encourages you to, for example, um, you know, use a hosted wallet service you've kind of lost a bit of privacy there. And yeah, I guess. Totally. Yeah. Like how in um, some of the other privacy coin protocols, you have to like opt in to the truly secure uh, transfers and those like take longer and cost more and therefore nobody does it. To your point, um, right now this is true. Okay. What we're trying to make is um, like my stance is that privacy only matters if it doesn't take a hit on convenience. Mm. Right. Like if it's just as convenient for you to make something private versus not, you know, you might want to do. Yeah. Like, why not? Right. Um, But if it requires you to have a hosted wallet and um, another kind of fun part about this is that if my wallet is hosted, then in order for me to send a transaction, I have to share with someone my IP, Mm. which if I'm just an average user or if I'm, you know, maybe I don't know how VPN or Tor works, then my IP basically corresponds to my location. (laughs) So you have this kind of weird thing of a privacy coin actually gives away more information (laughs) than Bitcoin does, (laughs) right? Um, Unless, of course, you use like VPN or Tor or like, what was it? Like some other like privacy sort of technology that most people don't use because like, why would they, (laughs) right? Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, but to your point, uh, like so when I looked into the space, I was like, wow, Zcash actually has one of the better models. Um, so they have uh, zero knowledge proofs to kind of shield their transactions. The problem with Zcash is kind of what you said, that it's so hard to use right mm. now that basically no one no one is using it. If you look at the amount of shielded transactions per day versus transparent ones, and for people who don't know how Zcash works, um, Zcash has transparent transactions which are identical to Bitcoin because they forked Bitcoin. Mm. Um, and then... And then on top of that, they have shielded transactions, which are fully private, and they go through this um, very cool, complex process of using zero-knowledge proofs to uh, hide the sender, the receiver, and the amount. But the problem is, is that in order for you to send a shielded transaction, you have to sync a full node, first of all, which takes a long, long time. And on top of that, you know, there aren't that many wallets that um, that support shield transactions. And the one that's uh, officially, um, well, officially distributed from the Zcash company is a command line mm. tool, right, on Linux. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the amount of people who are not miners or who are not, like, very deep in the industry who are making these shield transactions is very right. slim. Which actually, does that change its security properties as well? Is that is it sort of like ring signatures where the larger pool of people using it helps, or is that not? Yeah, no, you're actually right. Um, so there was a paper that came out from, what was it, um, University of College London, mm. um, where they basically did a static analysis, and they said, well, we can kind of figure out who the miners and who the exchanges are. And then once you do like kind of process of elimination, there's a very small right. pool of regular people mm-hmm. who are using yeah. it. Interesting. Um, yeah, you could totally do that with like pattern matching too. Like if they send a transaction every hour, like that's probably a payout for, for mining yeah. and stuff like that. And also because they have a transparent pool, there's a, this very cool visualization of kind of money going in and money going out of the shielded pool. Mm. And it's all it's mirror image, right? Because people are just kind of using the pool to um, kind of recycle their right, coins. As a mixer. So like, let's say it's a mixer. So if I send in like 1.3719 uh, Zeke into the shielded pool, and then I output 1.379, <laughs> you know, you can pretty much tell who I am, even though I use the shielded That's pool. That's interesting. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so there's also that. <laughs> interesting. I guess then what's the approach y'all are taking? And um, generally, my, my, I still don't really know much about privacy plus non-fungibility because as far as I understand, Z, ZK proofs work really well with the fungible like additions and subtractions and uh, the range proof being something like, um, you know, the total number of money in the world hasn't changed. This person has at least this much money in their wallet. This person uh, has now at least this much because they just got paid, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. How does that work with non-fungible things, which I guess don't have that that property of like summations? And- the Zcash kind of private model, mm-hmm. and I guess Bitcoin in particular, uses a UTXO model, mm-hmm. right? So in UTXOs, you can kind of say that every UTXO is an unfungible thing. <laughs> um, so here you kind of have the same thing where you have notes, and notes represent a balance and an owner. So I might, so, and notes are very analogous to like, you know, bills, mm. right? So there might be like a $20 bill ah, like, that I own and like a $100 bill that you own. It. Okay, I was thinking music notes and... and yeah. most... <laughs> that's what, well, that's what you get. That's what we get in tune, right? We get right. notes. Yeah, we get, we get music <laughs> notes. Yeah, and so the zero-knowledge proof really is, you know, there's, there's a bunch of these notes 
and I'm going to spend one of them, but I'm not going to tell you which one. And I'm going to, but I will give you a proof that um, the I have ownership of this note. This note basically has uh, the correct balance or balance that covers this transaction. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also creating some output notes that are uh, changed for myself. So if I were to spend a $20 bill and send you $5, I would want to print a new bill that has $15 for me, which is the mm -hmm, change. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm creating a note that is $5 to you, but it's encrypted such that only you can unlock it. Nice. Right? And so what, what publicly gets shared is a proof that I spent a note, but I'm not telling you which mm -hmm. one. I am, however, showing you a nullifier for the note that I spent, mm. um, meaning so that it can't be double spent again, right. so it can't be spent again. But um, even though you have this nullifier, you still have no idea what note it corresponds to. Yeah. And then I'm saying I have a proof that I can create these output notes such that the balance of the output notes does not exceed what I'm spending. So you have output, output minus input equals zero. Um, and uh, the output notes that I'm creating are encrypted to who to to the recipient's public key. Basically, it. it's a bit more complex than that, but that's kind of that's kind of how it works in a nutshell. Sure. Okay. Cool. And it sounds then like just like how uh, people can you know put non fungible things on top of Bitcoin, like counterparty and stuff like that. You could do the same with uh, Zcash and shielded transactions. Is that true? Yeah, you, you effectively could, right? Because you could say, like, I'm creating a note, and you actually have a memo field in the note. Cool. <laughs> so you could actually create non-fungible notes. Oh, fun. I mean, I, I guess all notes are non-fungible. Right, certainly. Like, all things are, yeah, UTXO model is kind of quasi-fungible by design. But, yeah, that's right. really interesting then. Okay, cool. That seems, honestly, much more straightforward than I thought. And, obviously, <laughs> something will not be that simple. <laughs> yeah, but, like, on a high level, it, it is actually... That's simple. Okay, cool. So then what then is the approach that you're taking if, uh, yeah, if it's similar yeah. but different? Yeah. Um, so we're sticking to private only. Mm. Um, and uh, so we're, we're taking like the Zcash approach of, you know, we're using zero knowledge proofs. We have a tree of these notes. Um, and so the, the privacy mechanism is the same. Mm -hmm. um, but we're kind of hitting a lot of things, a lot, a lot of areas of why why is it so hard to use right now? Right. Well, it's really hard to sync a full node. Okay, can we do that better? Mm -hmm. Well, there's no wallets supporting shielded transactions right now. Okay, great. Can we do better? Mm -hmm. um, like, how do we change the underlying protocol such that the tools that are built on top of it um, are, are better? Because there's a reason why there aren't that many wallets for Zcash and partly is because you need to sync your, your full node, which is like, in, a, in and of itself is kind of a huge task right. to do. Um, so how do we make that experience better such that the tools on top of it can be a lot more useful? Mm -hmm. So um, there's so that's kind of like one of the things. And then we also have like a bunch of other incremental differences of um, how do we make this privacy coin useful? <laughs> um, and a lot of people, like a lot of times when I explain this project, they, you know, people keep bashing me with questions of, of like, how are you different from Zcash? Right. You sound almost exactly the same. And I'm like, you, you were in the industry. Have you ever made a shield transaction? And I haven't <laughs> yet met a person who yep. has. Huh. And I'm like, well, this, this is why, right. you know, you can keep asking me questions of how I'm different from Zcash. But honestly, how is Zcash different from Zcash? Mm. Because most of people who use Zcash use it like and Bitcoin. Right. Like 85% well of them do. Bitcoin at that point. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so um, the whole point is to make a privacy coin that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's, I like that tagline. Our landing page is coming out. It's that is the tagline. Sweet, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's that's a great way of putting it. Is you know, it's a privacy coin, and we deliver on the promise of privacy um, by default. And that's that's definitely really powerful. Is that privacy by default um, mechanism? Can I ask you a kind of a related but sort of unrelated question? Which is, you you were before this or before all of this, you were working at Airbnb. Like, what are your former colleagues's, um, what is their impression now when you tell them that you're working on like a blockchain thing? Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously when I left, I, you know, told everyone what, what I'm going to be doing. Um, and actually a lot of the, like a lot of the people were very encouraging. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, actually my, my skip manager, so my manager's manager, um, you know, we had a one-on-one -one and we kind of sat down and I told him like what, what's going on and like my involvement in the space and that I've been to like all these conferences yeah. and doing all these workshops right. and, um, and you know, I'm thinking of starting this company and, you know, I already actually have funding, like, well, <laughs> like verbal funding. And he was like, okay, so we're supposed to be having this meeting so I, sh so I can change your mind to stay at Airbnb. <laughs> but honestly, I kind of think we should do this. <laughs> oh, that's nice, though. That's a good manager. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know, I ask because it's like I feel like my timeline, you know, my little bubble, my little internet bubble is still basically filled with people who are pretty anti-crypto mm. and are pretty like, you know, mm. all the tech people I know uh, are very still remain skeptical. And so I was sort of, sort of curious, like from from your perspective, working at a big company like that. Mm -hmm. If if that was if that was what your was like the sentiment well. inside? Yeah, I mean, um, my immediate coworkers had you know did not have much interaction with cryptocurrencies, yeah. um, and so for them it was kind of like I mean they were curious. They were like, "How does Bitcoin work?" Right, <laughs> like, right, right. I'm not the person to to answer that question, but um, yeah, right. And so they were all kind of like you know hesitant but encouraging, um, That's just nice. because I was really excited about it, and so they, right. they had to be encouraging. Right, um, <laughs> right, right. But Airbnb in particular actually had. Uh, at least when I left, a really huge crypto community. We oh, had cool. a Slack channel with over 400 people. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, and these are, yeah, and it was very active. So these are people talking about, you know, price and speculation, but also the, the technology and mm -hmm. the projects that are coming out. And um, so, like, it was a mix of, like, engineers and non-engineers and just, like, um, this huge channel where we talked about various projects and so on. So um, the crypto community at Airbnb was actually pretty huge and hilariously enough i know at least three people so far who were my friends at airbnb who have yeah. left yeah. to go either start their own company in the crypto space or join an existing one yeah see i feel so. like that's i feel it seems inevitable mm -hmm. to a certain or degree. four actually <laughs> yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah no it's definitely i mean crypto as an industry is definitely a nerd snipe like if you are interested in systems <laughs> or interested in economics or interested in any of the myriad things that this space just kind of touches and covers like it's it's definitely really interesting to to, to people yeah. yeah and also you can make a really big difference here very easily right right, right. we've talked about that how... before you mentioned yeah. that we've, yeah. that's definitely something like we it keeps coming up on this podcast right. with people is like i i like to joke about the uh the phd comment comment is always like you spend your time you get to the edge of this circle that is the sum of all human knowledge and then you you push <laughs> at the edge and you make a little dent and that is your you know, your contribution to the sum knowledge of humanity. And in crypto, you just kind of poke around and oop, there it goes. 
invented something new there. <laughs> I just, I just, I just contributed right. something. It's yeah. like, oh, that was a novel thought. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're running out of time here. I wanna, um, I wanna tell my Airbnb yeah, story. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we remembered. Oh yes. Please. Because you worked at Airbnb. <laughs> Please. This could go any any number of directions. So so I I um I wonder if I can find it for you guys to listen to. I um met the Airbnb guys in two thousand like late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight. Wow. Like um before like way before they had been anything. And um like I have have like a distinct, distinct memory of like being up on their roof like they were just two what? guys and like i was i was like having a beer with them on their roof and they were hiring me to like make a like they hired me to edit some f- video footage that they had and then they also hired me to write this jingle oh for this breakfast cereal oh that they were making oh. called obama O's. no oh my you're god part you're history. part of history oh which i god. just which I just dropped in the in the chat. So if you guys want to just listen to that really quick, and I'll drop it into the thing here. Oh my goodness! I, th- I think you can hear this it. This is amazing. Airbnb.com/slash/ObamaOs. No access to this object has been disabled. Yeah. S three. Oh no. Oh no. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I can. Um, this website is ancient. Probably still have it somewhere, and I'll send it to you guys, and I will um, post it here in the thing wow. so everyone can listen to it. Anyway, but the real kicker to this story <laughs> is that I did did all this work for them. I was like 25. I mean, they were, you know, and they were, they were like, they had like tried to get funding like four times or something right. and had failed right. and whatever. And so they owed me all this money. Like I, I had, I had, you know, I was like, oh, they're like a Silicon Valley startup. Like I had, I had charged them like, I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but it was like for me at the time, especially it was like three grand or something they owed mm-hmm. me. And, and, uh, and they like they basically stiffed me. Oh. They basically like oh no. They basically like I had done all this work and, and and everything, and they basically were like, "Listen, we'll we can pay you like five hundred dollars now, and if we get our funding, we'll pay you the rest. But uh, but if we pay you the five hundred now, like we want you not to take the rest, but you can wait for the rest. <laughs> it was like it was like a really like bad deal. Right. And um. And it, you know, it, I, knowing anything that I know now, I should have just been like, just give me like, yeah, you know, yeah, just give me like five percent, yeah, yeah, just even like point zero one percent would be fine, you know, like um, uh, you would technically anyway. have been like their first investor. You could have set your own terms, <laughs> I, right? You know, like if I knew anything about any of I think, that, I all I was, you're... all I was doing was writing a jingle for Obama right. O's and Cat and Captain McCain's. Right, Captain McCain's. Yep. How I feel like your career is is a That's story amazing. of like you were in so much history all over the place, and yet you only asked for an <laughs> yeah. iPad or five hundred dollars. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Exactly. Well, I hope you learned. And next yeah. time this happens, just yeah, ask next for time, right? Next time. Next time yeah. you meet the the future founders of a unicorn ask for equity there it is ask for equity mm-hmm. pull, pull a key. nike ask for yeah. equity yeah um so that's my airbnb story amazing wow that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. that is actually incredible <laughs> it's like it's like that that two two separate worlds clashing together yeah. like whoa it's like when you learn that like um history on one side of the world is actually happening at the same time as history on the other side of the world and you're like wait <laughs> right. a minute what <laughs> 
and you can you can realize that like some of these historical people were friends and it's like that's just what happened here yeah exactly yeah. here i'm i'm putting i've just found it on my hard drive so i'm putting amazing it the, the world like, needs this amazing. let's put yes. it on a blockchain <laughs> so it never goes away Keep in mind, it's like That's literally, right. you know, it's literally what, like over 10 years ago. Beautiful. Now, so. That just means it's <laughs> aged in like a very fine wine. Oh my God, this sound is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's play it at the end, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So so that'll be our outro <laughs> amazing. music. Amazing. Obama O's will be our outro Excellent. music. Excellent. Amazing. I just want to say one more thing about Please. Airbnb in particular. Yeah. Um, I think the number one requested feature universally has been to accept bitcoin really? oh, as wow. a payment method oh, how interesting yeah and um and actually airbnb acquired a cryptocurrency company called change tip uh-huh. um maybe like three years ago at this point uh-huh. maybe two two and a half um and everyone was kind of really hopeful that this meant that right. you know airbnb was gonna support cryptocurrencies um it never did mm. and i i you know, still it doesn't and it, part, part of the reason from my understanding is that it would just be like an additional layer of complexity into their like their very already very complex payment Certainly, system, and right. you know Bitcoin is like a whole different beast in, in terms of in terms of like volatility, oh, totally. and cashing yeah. out, and custodianship, and totally. you know stuff like that. So that was kind of like the only reason, from my understanding, that it that hasn't happened. Um, but it's very interesting how like how many people have actually requested that to be a feature. <laughs> so. Wouldn't have expected that. I wouldn't say they're losing any business to crypto cribs. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? Crypto cribs? Uh, yeah, uh, it is. They clone the on. Airbnb interface really well, actually. It's, it's a yeah. gorgeous website. Yeah. Come on. As is Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> turns out the moat is not technology. No. It is the myriad of sellers yeah. and buyers. Right. I want to give my real quick like one-line summary of NFT NYC, which is... Um, yes. Oh, yes, please. Um it was good. It was fine. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> non fungible summit best best event of blockchain week. Uh, listen, listen. I, I, and I and I'm, I don't think that I'm being uh, that I'm only saying this because you know because of my connections to you and right. the thing. But you know the and I said this before. But like the thing that made NFT summit so great was everyone there already knew everybody that we didn't mm. need to do any high level like. 101 shit it was all right like people who were already in the space and 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 presenting thinking about these d- problems d- deep and... thinking and presenting their deep thinking to everyone else and and nft and right. NF, nfc you know nyc was just another uh, mm, sort of mm-hmm, 101 mm-hmm. thing of like very high level um but uh danny right. grant um a friend of the mm-hmm. pod danny grant Awesome, awesome. Uh, gave a really hilarious talk. The other problem was that was that there was way too many speakers and oh, no time for breaks, which meant that by the time Danny came on, there was basically nobody oh. in the audience, and I was very sad about that. Aww. But she gave a... Her presentations are amazing. She gave a great yeah. presentation, which was a quiz. It was an NFT quiz. Yes, I remember this. I reviewed that quiz. With 10 names, and she said that you helped her with some of the... So did I. With, yeah. yeah. That's right. And it was a, I got only three of them right. There was a really... Oh, it amazing. Was a diff- they were hard. It was a difficult... They were quiz nobody got yeah. 10 highly specific questions one person got seven and so that was Certainly. like oh, the wow. highest oh wow um we will yeah. i'm gonna ask her to post it on on twitter or whatever and we'll that would be a great thing i i would definitely love like 
a site that has BuzzFeed quizzes, but your rewards oh are like NFT. Yeah. And somebody got an NFT, the person who got seven right got an NFT in, in, in exchange. Yeah. But I did meet a few people who I, you know, who I hope can be future podcast guests and, um, awesome. you know, folks who are doing really interesting things. Yeah. So, and like these sort of outreach events, I, I, not an outreach event, but an event that broadens yeah. the audience, like that's totally it's important, important yeah, and necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, just I, I'm different. dying for like for like the real deep deep dive yeah. kind of events. You know, totally. I I really enjoyed that about NFT Summit, and I want to do it again, but maybe <laughs> with with less yeah. effort. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> with less effort? Yeah. What do you mean? You well, mean like organizing a conference is, is, is really hard. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's exhausting, and it's hard to run a startup and also run another startup that is also a conference. <laughs> and so, That's right. You know, Elena, do you yeah, have so um, do you have anything that you want to plug here towards the end of our our, our time together? Any uh, projects or mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that you're? It's a shiller be shilled exactly. world. So um, I mean, I think I already said kind of a, a lot. Um, <laughs> and I mean, drop the name of yeah, your project. Yeah, what's the name of your project? Oh, it's called Beanstalk. Um, Beanstalk. <laughs> there it is. Ooh, Beanstalk fantastic Network. Fantastic name. name. Right now, thank you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It took me a while to come up. It was actually a hilarious story of how I came up with the name. Uh, Beanstalk yeah, I'm was glad the... <laughs> I got to follow along with that journey. Oh, God, yeah. I did torture Matt. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, this is going to be really quick, but... Beanstalk was actually one of the first names that I considered, and since middle school, my handle name on all things online has been Lean the Bean, mm. Um, mm. and so it's always been kind of like bean themed. And I, I almost have, <laughs> I almost have Lean the Bean everywhere except for like Instagram. Someone to clean the bean, which is kind oh. of I know. Um, anyway, oh. but so Beanstalk was like one of the first names they came up with, and I was like, no, no, it can't, it can't be bean themed. I've been like bean themed my entire <laughs> life. It has to be something different. Right, and, but that's all the more reason. Yeah. And so. I went on to like like this month long escapade of like different um, yeah. oh sorry, this construction. Um of, like different words in either Greek or Latin uh, that represent things like honesty and trust and shield <laughs> and all these things. Yeah. And Matt kind of witnessed this because yeah. I, I kind of um imp- you know yeah, my my dream job here. is namer of things. Oh, I have a friend who's a namer of things. I have a friend who's what? Uh, yeah. We could have her on the podcast. <laughs> That's actually amazing. My friend Nina, um, but she's she's a childhood friend. She literally, um, her job is literally to name things. That's incredible. Yep. That is literally my dream job. Like I, I want to buy the domain namerofthings.com. There you go. Nobody get that before I do, please. <laughs> you you better and, hurry. Yeah, I know. I, I got to do it before the pod comes out. Now someone's gonna sell it back right. to me. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so it was like three three weeks or so of like oh just God. googling different words in Latin and Greek, and finally we came back to Beanstalk. And whenever I, I tell name. people that, yeah, basically, mm-hmm. um, whenever I tell people that that's my company name, everyone is like so positive, and yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> why yeah. did I just why did I waste so much, <laughs> so much time? Um, but it was the journey that gave it meaning. There you go. That's right. But yeah, there's nothing online about it yet, but that is coming. We um, mm-hmm. are working mm-hmm. on a landing page right now and trying to figure out. Um, what's the least amount of, amount of information we can put out there? <laughs> do you know? Do you know when you're launching the, the landing page? Um, well, I feel like leaving sure. leaving a lot of information out is very on there brand you go. for privacy. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, yeah, it's well, part of the aesthetic. We're still working on a lot of details, <laughs> yeah. um, and because the project isn't finished yet, like all everything totally. can change, right? And right. So I don't, I don't want to promise 
one thing and then deliver a different thing. Um, right. We're right. we're going to be working on privacy coin, so that I can say. Um, and so right. that's kind of what the landing page is going to say: a privacy coin that works. Um, Beanstalk <laughs> cool. uh, privacy. I love it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> privacy coin that works. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it. Very awesome. And then I guess I'll announce exactly the same thing but for a different <laughs> website um we're gonna have a web presence for dot sooner Ooh. sooner rather than Ooh. later uh, all right dot dot af d-o-t dot a there you go <laughs> dot as f- yeah that's that's yeah. great yeah the, the <laughs> af is implied pretty nice yeah <laughs> uh to be clear that's the only domain which is d-o-t dot anything that isn't like some obscure country huh. domain um that was available and it fits perfectly because we're building a social network plus monetization method plus digital ownership uh, environment and uh, it seems to fit pretty well sweet that's yeah. awesome so check that website out um i am not gonna plug anything but say that what? you should follow me on uh twitter at song man elena what's your twitter handle is it lean the bean that's right lean the <laughs> bean it is indeed on it Twitter, is indeed. Matt is Matt G. Condon. And I realize I never say the digitally rare Twitter handle is digitally oh, yeah. rare on digitally rare. Oh, it's a you, good you know Twitter handle. Pitch? I'm going to I'm trying to make T-shirts for us for this show. Yes. Great. Yes. Digitally rare. Um, the first run of it is going to be we're going to do the kind of thing where, you know, however many of you order it is how many are going to be made. Oh, so it could be as little as like one. I don't know, but but yeah, um, whatever the profitability, like break even threshold but, is. But uh, uh, the fir- whatever the first run is, whatever the initial run that this is going to be, it's going to mm-hmm. be misspelled. Digiality <laughs> rare as as yes. our yes. as our banner was yes. when it first came out. So so and, and that that my friends is authentic and, scarcity. And all right of the there. future Indeed. runs of it will not be. So yes, yes. So if you want like the authentically digitally digiali digiali digiality rare shirt, oh my god, you yes. have to order for whatever the first. So take my money. By, by next by next episode, hopefully I will have more details on that. I'm in the process of finding the right supplier yep, and all yep. that. So um, very very good. Right. So thanks so much, Elena, for joining us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Ciao. Oh my God, it's Obama O's. Mommy, can I have some please? There's a really cool cereal that you ought to know. Everybody's talking about Obama O's. Just one bite and you will understand. Because every single O sings, yes, we can. Oh my God, it's Obama O's. Mommy, can I have some please? Obama, oh, Obama, Obama, Obama O's, Obama, oh, Obama, Obama, Obama O's, Obama, oh, Obama, Obama, Obama O's, Obama, oh, Obama, 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 Obama